This is Reawakened, conversations with and for women in transition with Vari Longmuir and Jade McKenzie. As women in our 30s have experienced transition in different forms, we realised there was a lack of open, honest conversation around what can be a lonely and delicate time. Our hope for this podcast is that it will be the medicine you need to navigate whatever you are going through with courage, grace and a little humour along the way. Hi guys and welcome to episode 7 of Reawaken the Podcast. This is Barry. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> now Jade is calling in. She's on the road at the moment so our connection might be a little bit more scratchy than normal but hopefully it will still be good enough. Where in the world are you Jade? I am in Auckland at the moment right in the heart of the city after 10 epic days traveling around the North Island. So back in the hustle and bustle it feels weird had to change yeah. gears <laughs> for sure and um, which is perfect for what we're chatting about today and um, we're going to be talking about unconventional choices and finding our true north and I know Jade I'm um, talking about travel especially with work and also with your family is something that is a big priority and something that you value really highly this is obviously an unconventional choice doing what you're doing at the moment do you want to talk to us a little bit about about your trip and, and what kind of sparked you to, to go on a trip? Because you've taken your daughter out of school, is that right? Yeah, for a couple of weeks. And yeah, this definitely is an unconventional choice for many. So since separating with my ex-husband, we had a lease in a house in a suburb in Melbourne near Cerise's school and the lease was coming to an end and I only re-signed for six months because as a newly single mother I wasn't sure if I could afford to pay the rent and I knew that I could for six months on my own because I'm paying about three to four thousand dollars worth of bills a month on my own Uh, but I didn't know if I could get past that six months and still be happy So my landlord actually wanted to move into the house that we were in. So I actually had no choice in the end. We had to move out. And I am choosing in a very positive way for myself and my daughter to be homeless. And that scares some people when they hear that because (laughs) when I think of homeless, I think, "Woo, I'm free from a lease. We can travel we can do all the things that we want to do or we can house sit people's houses or we can stay with people and that's what we love to do naturally. Cerise absolutely loves it. If she didn't, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider this at all. I would give her what she needs. But it's something we both love to do. And I remember my parents, especially my dad, going what like thinking they needed to save us they needed to save me (laughs) and be like okay well move in with your mum and change Cerise's school and this is what's going to happen and that's what's going to happen and I had to remind them that I'm 36 and I make my own decisions and I've got a business and I can make money and this is not actually a bad thing it's actually a thing that I am choosing to do of my own volition and 
for some people that's very confronting because it's so different to what they think is in air quotation marks right the right thing to do Mm. especially when it comes to children so I guess that is my biggest unconventional choice right now and I don't plan on getting a lease until it feels right for me to find a lease and we're planning on going back to Australia, house-sitting for three weeks at my best friend's house so Cerise can go to school and then we, it looks like, I'm hoping it will still go ahead, that we'll be going to Bondi for a month and just take that time around school holidays to be there, be near the beach, be near the whales. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then come back to Melbourne and then look at what we do at the end of the year, whether that's Tasmania. I'd really love to come back to New Zealand again um, and then go from there. So... Mm. Mm. I've got a question and and this is going a little bit off topic but with your love of travel and Cerise's clear love of traveling with you would you ever consider homeschooling and and traveling on a more permanent basis I've thought of that but I am actually the worst teacher (laughs) (laughs) I would be I would be good at it with other people's children, but with my own child, I kind of feel a bit lax. Like I would just not be good at it. I'm not that way inclined. And especially because I have my own business and I do take that on the road, that is something where I, it's not necessarily giving it a priority, but there is a sense of urgency around that. So if I had to attend to a client or do some maths, that I know that I'd have to put the client first because that's money for us to live. Mm. So I actually do want to keep Cerise's school as stable as possible. I don't mind taking her out for pockets of time um, and working with the teachers on that and they're cool with that. But I think with her friendship group and the fact that I went to three different primary schools before I was in grade two and I had to say goodbye to all of them, with that feeling I just and with everything else being so untethered in our lives I would like her school to be the anchor point for her Mm, definitely definitely I think having just those little things that can be those anchors that's such a great way to describe it I think it's so helpful for them because they they do need a little bit of that kind of container and I think school can can provide that in a really nice way when they do have those nice friendship groups in school as well and creates a little bit of consistency for them so yeah I totally agree with you on that one Hmm. and she loves her teacher and she loves all the other teachers so Hmm. she's not like me where I I hated school so I'm just going to (laughs) roll with it as long as as long as she loves it Hmm. (laughs) yeah for sure and I think it's funny because when I think back so I went to two different primary schools, but only because one of them closed down. So they were still in the same town. And I never moved house with my parents, ever. The house that I grew up in was the house that my dad grew up in. So he had moved to that house when he was two years old and then moved wow. away and then moved back. And my mum and dad were newly married and they moved back into the house with my granddad because he had Parkinson's disease so they moved in to look after him my older brother was just like 18 months old 
And I was born in that house and I lived there until until I moved out as an adult. And my mum still lives there now. My dad passed away almost wow. four years ago. My mum still lives in this big house all on her own. So I never, ever moved. So I had like this extreme permanency when I was a kid, you know, same same town, same house, same school, same people. And then I was the one that moved away. And it's funny because I look at the boys and I think, you know, already Gabriel went to one primary school and then we moved from the city down to the beach and he went to another school and we lived in that house. And then when my ex-husband and I separated, we moved to a different house, but my ex-husband still rents the house that we owned as a family. And so like there's been so much change and transition for them, you know, and Gabriel's only nine years old and there was six. Um, it's stark contrast of what my childhood was so yeah it's it's interesting when when you look back that you kind of change school but you don't necessarily want that for Sarice you want her to have that anchor point of school yeah it's funny how we try and do the opposite for our kids to what happened with us like oh we were so (laughs) damaged or (laughs) affected or you know we look back at our own childhoods and go hmm I'm going to make a different choice. For my yeah, children. it's so funny. I I think that all the time. I'm like, there's certain things I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make different choices. I'm going to do that differently. But I think we just mess them up in different ways because I'm sure they will grow up and they'll think the yeah. same things. It's true. You just flip-flop backwards and forwards. I yep. think you just try and do your best, whatever that is. But I do find it interesting that, well, we're such strong women independent and very you know comfortable in our choices when it comes to our kids we're like okay well let's do something completely different to what we know or what we had Mm. and I think maybe that's also looking at your children and saying okay well where do they feel stretched or challenged or where do they feel excited and you know, going along with that style of parenting instead of potentially, okay, well, back then it was the dumb thing to just stay in the one house yeah. for 30 years. And I always envied that with my with my best friends who were in the same house from the moment they were born until they left home because I had already lived in, you know, maybe eight different houses growing up. Mm. So I never had that. Um, but it's not like I've gone and bought a house and lived it in since I was eighteen. I've been to another ten houses. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just in my blood. Yeah, mm, so interesting, isn't it? Just the, the whole of what we think is in their best interest when it comes to kids, especially through separation and divorce. You know, it's I, I would often beat myself up about how much change it was in their lives and how much of an impact it was having on their lives at such an early age but I think it's a lovely way to show them a different side of life and I think from family members they can often be fearful because there's that lack of security you know like you're saying that your mum and dad were saying right you need to find somewhere to live and you know keep her in school and and I think it you know all comes from a place of love but I think it's just that fear of the unknown that I think our unconventional choices have us embrace that fear a little bit more and not see it as such a scary thing and it's almost something just to play with whereas I think our parents generation it was a real significant fear that that felt huge and not something that could be played with in the way that we kind of play with fear yeah 
So what do you think is an unconventional choice? How would you define it then? For me, I think something being uncommon, and it's it's hard because I think when you're in the groups of other people making similar choices to you, you don't necessarily see them as being unconventional because your peers are doing that. But I think in the greater community, we're part of this tiny little subsection. And so I think the greater community often view choices that you and I are making as unconventional whereas we just see them as normal does that make sense yeah totally Mm. I so hear you on that because I was even surprised with my parents reaction I was like why do you even care about this and I'm like oh okay because it's not a normal thing that normal people do I get it (laughs) yeah I'm so in the bubble I don't well and I just want to do what I want to do I've yeah. never even yeah mm. never even considered how the outer world would look at something so you're so right yeah so I think you know things that that you and I and perhaps listeners will think are not particularly unconventional other people would so I, I think it's all perspective it's what you think is unconventional but for me um this is a prime example of that is moving to Australia I surrounded myself with a lot of people who were moving and when I moved here I made a choice not to just be one of those expats that only hangs out with expats on the other side of the world because that wasn't the reason I wanted to move to the other side of the world and to live in a different country Um, but you have a kind of natural attraction to those people because they've made similar choices to you so they can be quite similar in their outlook to things Um, and it's been the case that, you know, starting my own business and moving is naturally drawn like-minded people to me. So um, I think that I don't see that as necessarily an unconventional choice because the majority of the people I'm friends with have all moved from somewhere. My two really good girlfriends here, we were just talking about it the other week when we were out for dinner. And um One's English, I'm obviously Scottish, and then the other is a Kiwi. And we were just saying how funny that we all find ourselves, you know, in this little beachside town and now we're outside of Melbourne, you know. Um, And we were saying that we come together over the fact that we've travelled and we've lived in different places. So I think that those unconventional choices that we've made have drawn us together and made us become really, really good friends for, you know, the greater community packing up and moving to a country that you hadn't even visited before and going there with the intention to live there permanently with a permanent residency visa not knowing anyone having nowhere lined up to stay having no jobs lined up I think in the kind of greater sense that's quite an unconventional choice I would say definitely Mm. well Mm. brave for me more so than unconventional I think it shows a lot of faith But I'm interested to know with the choices you've made over the years that have fallen under this category of unconventional, what pushback have you received? Have you had experiences where people are like, Vari, what are you doing? Like I do not understand or they've tried to give you advice because I hear from a lot of women all the time when they even talk about um their spirituality or potentially they're looking into coaching or they're doing all these things and their family and their friends are the first ones to say hey what what are you doing Mm. and so I'm interested to see what experiences you've had in that 
in that part of making the decision. Yeah. So when it comes to the big choices that I've made in life, so the moving to Australia from Scotland, um, it was 99% positive from friends and family back home. There was one or two friends who voiced their concern, um, but they were people that were very settled back in Glasgow who had their family around them who had started to have kids and were very settled and that was their lifestyle. So it was just a fear, or a kind, not even a fear of theirs, but um, a kind of lack of understanding of why we would want to have left and why we would want to not have our family around us. Um, so that was only a couple of people. Um, so that never really had much of an impact. When it went to setting up my own business, again, there wasn't much resistance from friends or family around that I think because my dad had had his own business and he was very much of that kind of entrepreneurial mindset um I had a lot of support around that as well really the the biggest pushback or questions about choices was definitely about my choice to step away from my marriage um we've spoken about it in previous episodes but um the response of my family there was was not what I needed at the time um which is getting better now but there's certainly a a disconnection still still there with with certain members of my family but I think it is just all fear for them of what's next for you especially when there are kids involved that was certainly the case I think when it came to my mum she was you know concerned for what future would look like for me and for my kids and also for my ex as well who she's very close with and still is very close with them so I think it all came from a a well-intentioned place but wasn't necessarily what I needed at the time so yeah that's been the one that's been the most difficult for some people in the family to be on board with compared to other choices that I'd made before that Mm. (laughs) I kind of feel like I don't know if you've experienced the same thing but whenever I do something people aren't necessarily surprised because they're used to me going oh this is a good idea I'm going to do this now and then doing it Mm. and people would be like, oh, that's just Jade. And so potentially I feel like people would look at you and have the same thing with you where they're like, oh, that's Vari, you know, she knows what she wants and she goes out and and gets it. But Mm. something that seems as sacred as marriage, I don't know how to explain that better, but, you know, there is um, in our society and which we've spoken about in past episodes about the whole thing of marriage and commitment and being for life and the ups and downs and and for something that is such a huge thing that we think about from when we are little girls that is something that is definitely put to us from a very early age and that we constantly think about as women because we want to have children and you don't want to have children if you're not married and all of these decisions that come around it it's it's such a scary thing for people when and like we've said before you know it wasn't necessarily the worst situation we've been in but we just wanted better and to step away from that it kind of it holds up a mirror for people and I think that that's, a, yeah, mm. that would be a huge one for people's judgments to come through based on their experience or what they're experiencing within a relationship or whether or not they've been through something similar themselves and, you know, I think for us I can say I know that 
speaking for both of us, this is true when I say we would never ever judge anyone in their relationship or the changes that they would look to make, no matter what that was, whether that was leaving or saying, okay, let's try an open marriage or doing something like that. We mm. would never judge because you just don't know absolutely what somebody else is going through. Yeah, and, and I know we've, we've touched on it in previous episodes before, but when it gets to the point that someone's able to say those things out loud, it means that it's not just a flippant decision that they've made without giving it a whole lot of thought and consideration. So, um, yeah, by the time you come to say it out loud to get that unhelpful reaction is just really not what you need because you've already made the decision. So um, it's not something they're going to be able to necessarily change your mind on. Which, which is a difficult part. It's, it's interesting because as you were talking there, I realised that the decisions that I had made before were very much when I was living back at home, was living in Glasgow or had recently moved to Australia. So I moved to Australia in 2007. I got married in March, moved to Australia in the August of 2007. And then after being here probably six months or so, my ex-husband and I started trying to fall pregnant and it took a little while but then my first son was born just shy of two years of being in Australia which being in a new country and not having any support network and not really having any long-term friends or anything like that was you know it seems like such a short space of time but it all happened exactly as it was meant to happen but I think then the transformation that happens when you become a parent, not just a mother, but, you know, for guys as well, was huge. So when it came, the decision for me to step away from my marriage, I had gone through a huge period of transformation and transition before that, which mm. my family weren't here to observe. They weren't able to see that. You know, I had lived away from home for almost 10 years by that point. And I remember my mum saying to me, I don't even know who you are. You've changed as if that was a bad thing. And I responded and said, well, of course I've changed. Since I've moved away from home, I've become the woman I want to become. You know, I've, I've become a mother and you know, I've had to find my own way in a lot of things and, and you've not been here to be a part of that. So for her, she couldn't understand that I had changed as a person. And so I think that's what made it difficult for her to understand because it was almost as if, I shouldn't have changed, which which is really difficult. And you feel like you're trying to kind of, you know, fight your corner and present your case as to why it's okay to change. But it was really uncomfortable for her to see that I had changed. And it's something that I've detached myself from now. And I know that I'm every day becoming more of the person that I want to be. And, and if that doesn't sit comfortably with some people, then that's okay. And it's it doesn't have to be a case of, well, if you're not on board, then then you're out it's not a case of well if you're not with me you're against me it can just be okay for them to not fully understand but but for me to continue on my path anyway so I think just not being as hooked into those not negative comments but that not understanding for me to kind of detach from that and know that that's not my place to make better for someone has really helped me with that so yeah I definitely think it's that idea of of me having you know changed and grown as a woman over 10 years and and my mum not necessarily being there to to observe that close hand mm, that's such an interesting 
point of conversation, I think, because that's where many tensions lie within relationships. It's through change and not understanding or seeing how somebody is evolving. And I think that's something we experienced in our marriages as well as within our own families and even friendships. I have some people who are shocked by some of the things that I do when they shouldn't be, but it's really every single time they bring up something, it's about them. It's never ever about me, mm-hmm. even though they use me as the example or that's why they're upset, but it's never about me. And I find that that's the trickiest thing to deal with during a time of transition because that's where you don't have the energy and I'm just going to say it, but for other people's shit. So I personally have trouble being patient and kind and compassionate when I'm at my lowest and I'm going through something and I have somebody in my face questioning why I'm doing it and it's not in a a loving or a curious way. It's from a a pure place of judgment or their fear uh, and them going, well, that's not okay because I don't think that's okay, you know. So I, yeah, I found that that tension has come to light more so now in the last year than it ever has in my life before Mm. because even though it felt like my choices were unconventional and they were to an extent it wasn't so personal Uh, whereas marriage and relationships and children it's everybody has got an opinion on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I love what you've said about that and I I feel like potentially you're more patient with me because even though put more patient than me because even though I completely understand and agree with you around it being other people and that's not your thing to take on I get I really get tired of it I'm Mm. like now is the time where I am not feeling strong and where I have this huge gaping hole in my heart and my soul is tired the last thing I need is you coming at me with anything other than compassion. I can't deal with it and I won't deal with it. Mm. And it makes me angry. So have you felt that at all in your experiences, whether it's the marriage or other things? Um, Yeah, I definitely have you know, those days that you just, it, it's all got a bit too much and it can be really overwhelming. And I know when there was immediate months after separation, you know, there's every day is another challenge and you're like, God, just give me a day where, where I don't need to try and fight something. Um, and it, it can feel really overwhelming. And so to have those people that aren't necessarily helpful to you, you need to protect your heart. You need to look after yourself a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, I was able and, and there was times to to allow myself to be annoyed and to be disappointed and to be upset about the fact that some friendships and relationships just weren't going to last, you know, similar to my marriage. It, it, perhaps 
there were certain friendships that had you know had run their course um and I've become easier with that I think I'm someone who has kind of prided themselves in being a good friend and having long-term friends um you know I've got friends that I've been friends with since I was five years old that are still really good friends now but it doesn't mean that every single person that has been a long-term friend necessarily has to stay one so I'm being better at having lower expectations of those kind of friendships as well and knowing that people will come and go in and out your life at different times um, I know I probably went a little bit AWOL as my marriage was coming to an end um, I probably went a bit missing um, with with other friends but I just needed more time for myself and I had, didn't have as much outwardly flowing energy as I once had you know I needed to hold some of it back for myself so um and it'd be interesting to you know from their perspective how they felt you know was I closing down to them or not sharing my life with them or not confining in them I think we've all got our different stories to tell but um it's made me more compassionate about people that you know, for no particular reason perhaps go a little bit quiet in your life from time to time and and we can tell ourselves stories that you know it means 500 different things but sometimes they just need a little bit more space and time for themselves and they don't have as much to give at those certain times so um I've been more gentle with myself when it comes to that and also of other people too yeah do you feel like friendship means you do have to explain yourself constantly Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what your experience is, but I think, you know, you you kind of know when you embark upon a separation, when you have been together for for a considerable period of time and you do have those mutual friends, there's this idea of, you know, that friends will have to pick sites and are they going to be your friend or my friend, you know, and it's just like you, you split up everything in the house and you split up the friends as well. And and it's funny because my ex and I still do have some mutual friends that, you know, he'll spend time with with our kids and I'll spend time with with our kids. Um, and our friends are, are OK with that and happy with that. Um, but there's other friends that it's not necessarily a picking of sides, but there's a natural gravitation towards one or the other. And I've not tried to fight for some of those friendships. And there's been family friends that I've realized at the time that my ex-husband needed more than I needed at the time. Um, I was definitely the one that had more social groups and different sets of social groups than my husband had. And so for the, f- the few kind of mutual family friends who have got kids who are a similar age to our kids, I've been happy for him to kind of lead the friendship on, on his side. Um, and so our boys still have those friends, but he's more of the friends to the parents than than I am now. And, and I think that's good that... You know, he has some of those kind of longer term family friends for the boys when the boys are with him. But it's just about being okay with that. It's it's all right. You know, friendships like relationships change and evolve over time and, and they're there for different reasons at different times. So so I've just been okay with that. I've just let it happen and know that those friends might come back around at some point or they might not, but there's there's no hard feelings with any any friendships that have have changed over the over the time of my transition in the last few years. How have you found that? Have you people surprised you in positive or negative ways as you've made that decision to step away from your marriage? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I kind of feel like when I did make the decision, of course, I only 
talk to a small number of people about it. Literally, you know, on one hand, you could count the number of people I told and they were all supportive and none of them were surprised. You know, it was a shock, but they weren't surprised that it was happening, if that makes any sense. Mm. And um, they were all very kind and there for me. I, I kind of feel like it's in the aftermath where it is open and it is public and I guess people expect you, especially as the person who made the decision, that you'll be okay and if you're going through something they might not understand why. I think I have such a great group of girlfriends who have pulled me out of a hole. Like before I left for New Zealand, it was really, really bad. And um, they, yeah, they were there for me in a way that others weren't. And I don't say that in a negative way because I pull away I go quiet. You know, if I'm going through something, I'm an introvert. It's all introspective. I need to process. I need my own time. And unless you're going to force your way into my house, I'm probably never going to ask you for help. Um, And that's pretty much what they did. They forced it Mm. because I was really bad. And it was just a culmination of things and, you know, a friend died and, yeah, the whole thing was horrible. So, Mm. um my other friends probably who have known me the longest, um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like that takes more energy in many ways um, because I feel like people in your life who've known you the longest, whether it's family or friends, they feel like, for me, it feels like, they want me to owe them an explanation or that I have to tell them everything that's happening in my life or I have to be there for them um, in ways that I can't really at this point in my life. I just don't have the energy. Mm. So it does feel like on one side so positive and beautiful and and like it's carrying me across the line because I can't do that myself. Mm. And on the other, it feels really draining and like there's so much expectation and that I'm not meeting those expectations. So it's like I'm in trouble, you know, I'm not being a good friend or I'm not being a good family member. But I just honestly at this point in time, I just don't have the energy Mm. for it. I can do what I need to do for work to put on my front when I'm at the social studio when I'm with people physically and um, to be with my daughter and to do school runs and pickups and lunches and whatever and that's all I can handle. Mm. And then it, it's just whatever, it's a mixed bag, whatever else. And so, yeah, when I feel like I'm, being held to these expectations, that's what, yeah, feels terrible because you don't want to let people down but at the same time when Mm -hmm. you're at your most fragile, that's kind of when you want people to just, yeah, be a bit softer. Yeah, yeah. I just 
was thinking as you were talking there, I think it is so true that those longer friendships can be really difficult are not difficult but very different to navigate than newer friendships and I think it can be really hard to articulate your new position to people that have known you back then you know it's Mm -hmm. such a change for them whereas people who are newer to your life are more aligned with where you are at that point and where you are going forward and they're like yeah of course like that's understandable I totally get it whereas people from before who knew you you know when you maybe got together with your ex it's maybe especially if you have moved away and they haven't been seeing your life on a daily or weekly basis it's really hard for them to to understand what what could have changed so much so um I think that's been that's been true for me and it's really interesting because of my friends who have listened to the podcast one of my girlfriends just the other week was saying that she had listened to a couple of back-to-back episodes and she said it's so lovely I've been by your side as this has all unfolded for you but to hear you speak about it retrospectively is so lovely and there's things that I didn't even necessarily know or things that you were able to to discuss and 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 kind of look at in a different way than she had heard me say before so it's really interesting how different people in our lives at different times align with us in different ways I found that really fascinating to watch yeah and I feel like with something like this I mean a big part of why we're doing it is to if not the whole reason we're doing it is to all help each other through something Mm -hmm. and knowing what we are still going through or what we have been through and in those moments where we're like "Mm, I don't have any examples of this happening to other people (laughs) you know I feel like we're doing this not just for you and I to have a gas bag because we could just go to each other's houses and have a cup of tea or have a wine and talk about it that way. There is a greater purpose for us with this podcast, which is why I guess we are so open and free. And if you get me up on stage, I'll talk about anything. You ask me anything, I'll answer anything. If you're someone who's going through something similar, I will never tell you anything but the truth. But when it comes to my friends or my personal life, I don't really feel, I don't really get anything out of talking about this stuff when I don't feel like there is a purpose. Mm, yeah. You know, so it was really nice to hear what your girlfriend said because definitely there are things that you would be saying out loud because you and I are prompting each other and it's for the greater good <laughs> yeah. rather than just a conversation over a, a kitchen table and a coffee because yeah. if somebody asks me how I am, I'll be like, yo, I'm good. And if you press me, I'll probably answer questions but for someone who's not going through something or I'd rather hear about them or talk about something else instead of focusing on my own life Mm -hmm. do you feel like you're like that or are you quite open with your friends and family and and you keep them up to date because I certainly don't Mm -hmm. until the shit hits the fan yeah it's funny it's something I think I used to do more readily and I think it's because I needed that immediate validation that I was doing the right thing but probably in the last six months or so it's something that I have not needed externally that I've been able to give myself without needing that validation from other people so um yeah it's an interesting one it's one that I'm going through 
at the moment about necessarily not necessarily talking about things out loud but processing them myself um and I'm a big believer in not wanting to just bitch and gossip about stuff and I think that was something that we said from the get-go with this podcast was that we didn't want it to just be some big bitch fest against our ex-partners and the male population in general you know and that's you know potentially where conversations like that could go is you know just moaning and getting down to the nitty-gritty details about he said this and I said that and and that's just not helpful for anyone the other week I read a line in one of um, the books that I've read a hundred times and picked up again and it said you can't move forward when you're looking backwards and I was like oh my god what a timely reminder that is like we can sit there and pick apart and justify why we did what we did, but that's not going to help us moving forward. Over time, I've spoken less about the why I made the decisions that I'm making and have focused more on where I'm going because the why I've made the decision is irrelevant to anyone, really, and it's not helpful to people. Um, I think for people who are about to embark upon a similar transition themselves, it's comforting to know that other people have been there, but I'm so much more interested in talking about the moving forwards than the reasons why past decisions have been made. Mm. And that's such a great segue into my next question, (laughs) which I was going to ask you before you even fully finished answering that. But we've got the tagline here of finding true north. So in terms of you looking forward and taking those next steps, what have all of these unconventional choices done for you to find your true north? And what does finding true north mean to you? For me, it's about being more playful and viewing this whole life thing as just a game and being less serious about it all. And for me, I don't really know what that exact true north is. For me, one of my core values is freedom. You know, when it comes to my work, when it comes to my lifestyle, when it comes to how I parent my kids, the ability to feel freedom in every day is really what drives me. So I'd say at the moment, I'm more present and in the moment than I've ever been in my whole life. And there's so many unknown aspects to what this week or next week or next month is going to look like in my life at the moment but there's this feeling of excitement to that and so finding true north is just following those little breadcrumbs and following those little clues and having trust that it will all play out perfectly you know as we look back we often say we would never change anything we'd never change the big and little decisions that we've made to get us to where we are now and I trust that will be the case when I look back next year and in five years and in 10 years so I'm just having more fun with it and that feels like true north to me of just doing what feels right like this morning I dropped the boys off at school and it's such a beautiful day here and so I went for a coffee and went for a walk along the beach and sat and did a meditation on the beach for 20 minutes and I had work to do but I was like no this is more important just now um I came home and within the space of two hours smashed out the work that I needed to do and it was easy and and before I wouldn't have did that I would have told myself that you need to be more disciplined you need to be more focused you you know need to to do this nine to five thing because you're meant to have a business but I've become less attached to that and and that's that's that freedom element for me of knowing that the work will get done unless I feel 
really aligned to do something, then I'm not going to do it. And and it can be quite scary because there's some things that feel, it feels like procrastination, but it's maybe not. It's maybe just one of those little breadcrumbs along the way. So for me, just looking at it in a more playful and fun way has been mm. such a weight off my shoulders and just felt like there's less pressure on me to get it right because I can't get it wrong. Mm. I love that. Well, you mm. can't fuck it up that much yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and if I do that will make a really good episode <laughs> next podcast <laughs> ah so true so true that's lovely it's um it's very you the way you've described that I think that's how I would describe you as a person, creative and playful and, and looking for the joy in things most definitely. I definitely see how that is your true north for sure. Oh, thank you. So at this point, do, like, do you feel like you've got somewhere that you want to move towards? Do you have that sense of true north or is it unfolding for you at the moment? Yeah, it's still unfolding. I think it's ever unfolding. Mm. I don't know how to quite explain it, but for me it is kind of like a compass. Okay, I can't explain this, but, you know, my whole life, and we know this, my whole life I've just followed feelings, right? Everything is a feeling. (laughs) Everything comes back to the feeling of is this right? Yes, keep going. Is this wrong? Yes, okay, what's going to feel right? And I feel like especially when I started my business and I had Cerise and all of these things, I I used to feel like the universe click and then shift a gear. Mm. So it was almost like something would happen and it was like click, okay, I've arrived. So if you look at the compass, everything is north, everything is aligned, yes, I'm moving this way. And I would feel like the universe shift. But for me the universe was like this big rock formation just shifting and I can't, oh, it's so weird, I can't explain it. But those the pivotal moments where I'm like okay I'm here where I need to be and now I just need to work through this until I feel like this needs to shift again Mm. and so for me right now I am in that bit where I'm kind of just like wading through the mud going okay what's next I don't really have that feeling or that sense of what is true north right now Mm. Um, I know it's in the general direction but it's like I'm waiting for something to click yeah which like that idea of waiting is one of the hardest things to do when you're in a period of transition Mm. because you're just every part of you is just screaming to do something and, and take control of something so to stand back and wait and and trust that you'll be guided somewhere is one of the hardest things to do. So if you are actively choosing that, that's that's a massive thing. That's not being passive. That's allowing allowing it to unfold, which is the hardest thing to do. It really, really is, especially if you're so used to being in control. And I think when you live a life that is conventional, it's easy to have control because everything is known. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're doing the things that we do 
it is an unknown and you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to navigate it. You have to find your own way there. And, of course, there's baggage to carry with you. Of course, there's so many decisions to make. Of course, it's it's tricky. And so I kind of feel like the weight that comes with it, that's why it feels like mud mm. because you're just wading through. And, um yeah, it's interesting, the faith thing, because I've always had faith. I've always had faith no matter what, that everything would be okay. And I feel like the more okay I am or the more successful my business is or the more perceived success I have, the almost harder it is for me to trust that I will be okay, even though I've proven for the last 36 years that I can do it. Yeah. And um there's this Lana Del Rey song called Change and I was like obsessing over Lana Del Rey the last year. I would always drive with her music on and um, there's a song called Change and there's one line where she says trying to find the power in me to be faithful. Mm. When I used to hear that, I used to think it was about a relationship and her being faithful and then I realised in this last year I'm like, oh, just trying to find the power in me to be faithful, to have faith in myself and and that good things will come. And I feel like I lost that a little bit. It's still there, but I don't have anything to hold on to right now. And so that feels like the hardest thing for me because I can still make everything else work, but it doesn't feel right when I don't have that one thing that is vital to me and my happiness and my true north and that's mm-hmm. having faith. So, yeah, yeah really interesting. Mm. <laughs> it reminds me of that quote, which is probably a nice way to round up this episode, the Joseph Campbell quote about if you can see your path laid out in front of you, then you know it's not your path, that you make your path with every step you take and that's why it's your path. And I love that idea because it's like we're not expected to see what's ahead of us. We're not expected to know what this is going to look like. I know for me, when I look back at my life two years ago and one year ago, I could not have written the story of how it looks, but it feels the way I hoped it would feel. And that's how I know that it's it's right because it's, yeah, it's all about that feeling. We don't know what the details are necessarily going to look like, but if we aim for that feeling and then we let all the other parts fill in, and that's what makes those unconventional choices the right choices. That's it. Follow the feeling. Mm. And make sure there's someone like you, Fari, a few steps ahead to remind <laughs> me that it will be okay. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to be wrapping up the first season of the podcast next week with our final episode, which is on defining freedom, undoing damage and creating life. So we look forward to seeing you for the last episode. We've got lots lined up for season two, which is exciting, which we'll share at the end of next week's episode. But until then, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of New Zealand, Jade. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.